0: So we're starting a new message series this morning called Breakthrough. We have Breakthrough Living, Breakthrough Giving, Breakthrough Praying, and Breakthrough Believing. These are the next, this is the month of June that we're going to be doing. And as I was thinking and praying and prepping and thinking about the idea of the word breakthrough, this image came to my mind. And you see these in these movies and, and, and different factions of form, be it uh, a, a bird or an airplane or something that... Wants to take off, and there's always this buildup in this movie of this this ledge, this thing that needs to, the, you know, there's this risk has to be involved. And in are we going to make it? And thinking about this idea of like a plane going off the edge and it drops down. You always see from the perspective of the back, right, in this scene, and then the the, the plane drops down, and there's that moment, and what maybe actually a few seconds feels like an eternity, and you're wondering, is that plane? going to pick up. Now, we all know the type of movie that it is, and it's supposed to have a happy ending, so that most likely, most likely, you expect that that plane is going to pick back up. It's going to have that breakthrough, and it's going to soar into the air, but even in that moment, our human psychology is always wondering, you know, is the ending of the story going to be unexpected? You know, it makes me think about this, that when, uh, when I was in dating my my wife now, uh, when we were just dating, and I was going and planning and proposing. We'd been talking about marriage, but I'd always put it into the foremine of like maybe a year from now, because so I wanted to be something special. I wanted to, to surprise her, and so, you know, when we got to that point, and I got some of her friends in her dorm, we, you know, they outdid her room and everything, and I took her on a date, and we took her out to um, Moose Jaw Park down in Saskatchewan, and And I remember, like, knowing in my mind, like, logically, that where our relationship was at, that my girlfriend, who I hoped to be my fiancé, was going to say yes. But there's that thing in the back of your mind wondering, maybe she's going to realize I'm more of a chump than she knows. There's that self-doubt that goes into your brain. And so there was, I think, three or four occasions where I was going to actually drop a knee and pop the question and I actually had to put myself in a situation I had to work myself up to this place where I was like there was no other option for me but to ask the question and of course my wife said yes and it's been blissful living ever since right that's how that works but there's this idea of this breakthrough and this anticipation. And the idea of a breakthrough is that there's something broken through. There's a ceiling. There's something holding us down. There's something keeping us from going to that next level. And what we hope for in these next couple of weeks is that there will be certain principles that you can be able to learn or understand to be able to break through to that next level, that thing that you're expecting, the thing that you're believing for, the thing that you're praying for. The thing in your own life and wondering what is holding you back by the end of this message series and the end of this month, that you'll have a different perspective, hopefully, and be able to see what a breakthrough might look like in your own life, a breakthrough might look like inside of our church. Now, breakthrough living, we talked about the idea of life. Now, that is a big topic. Just, just breakthrough living alone could probably be a three-month message series, and we're not going to go there, I'm not going to be up here that long, don't worry. But, I could have went a lot of different ways on this. and There's so much that is said inside of the scriptures, inside of the Bible. You can just open up your Bible and you can see something something. something will jump out on the page and how God wants to direct your life. But, when I think about this idea of living, this passage, and I love how the, the message puts it. That Jesus is talking about all who are weary and heavy laden. He says, come to me and I will give you rest and in the message, it, 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 it takes this idea of like, oh, Jesus i will give you my yoke. And in our culture, we don't understand what that means. And Jesus, he flips it and he makes this, and starting the message, it, it puts it like this, that come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says, and I will teach you the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. To be able to walk in alignment with what God wants for our life, that this is unforced rhythms. And so, when we look about this idea of living our lives the way that God wants inside of this breakthrough living of our life, you know, it needs to look more like beauty than duty. So often we can look at all these different things and what do I need to do? It's like, if I can just get the right equation right, if I can just get in step of the right thing, if I can just do all the right things right, then everything will line up. But that's not how... It works. Life is a way more messier than that, way more complex than that. And so as I was drilling down into my mind, how, what is the one thing, the one thing in this huge topic of life, the key, the domino that knocks everything else down, that I could share with you this morning and seeing a breakthrough in your own living, what could that be and seeing the unforced rhythms of grace, the unforced rhythms of living out this Christian life with beauty and not duty. This passage came to mind. See, there are so many things that can lead us to a breakthrough, but there is one principle that is non-negotiable. And we see this in Matthew 6. Maybe you've seen this, this verse, and there's two slides, and I want to read through it, and then I want to make some observations. This is what Jesus says. And he says, he's talking to the crowd, and he goes, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's leave this slide up because I want to point out a couple things in this. It's interesting, like... You get to one of these passages and, you know, Martin just finished a message series last week about misunderstood messages. And this could probably be one of them. You look at this and you think, okay, I need to forget about all common sense, all planning, living my own life. I'm just going to stop doing everything, sit down, let God do everything for me. That is not what this verse is saying. Now, I hope... Most of you who are sitting here weren't thinking that, but if you were, let me just let you know that you don't get to walk out, quit your job, sit around eating potato chips watching TV, and then God will just take care of all the details. That's not how this works. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the, the big story of the Bible, God invites us into this co-creation, that we are partners in this life. But there's, this, there's, a, there's a, a pinnacle in this. He started, so he's saying all of these different things about, you know, we worry so much, right? So he says, these things dominate. That's the word dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now, I preached a message a ways back called Don't Fight Fair. There's an interesting contrast here. It says, the unbelievers, people that don't have this relationship, with God, don't have this inside knowledge. And we don't have to fight fair because we know something that nobody else does and we have this relationship. So when we allow ourselves to be dominated by the worries, the things that God's like, oh man, if you would get the order right. As our relationship with God fuels the rest of what we're doing. So the big question is, is are you dominated? Dominated? By the worries of these things. That's so what Jesus is saying, you're going around like a frenzy, worrying about all of these temporal things in your life. And let me be clear, those things are important. But is it dominating your life? So what Jesus says is this: here's the remedy. So if if the unbelievers, or if you're acting like an unbeliever, what like Jesus is saying, if you're if you're acting like somebody who doesn't have this relationship with God. Who doesn't have the inside scoop of what's going on. If you're acting like them, you're being dominated by everything. All the circumstances around you in your life, instead of looking up. Instead of being informed by what God wants for you. And here's what Jesus says is the remedy. This is what is bolded right here. Seek the kingdom of God. Some translation says first. Okay, This one says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously that unforced wisdom of grace, right? But it all starts with, seek what God's priorities are. That would be one way of putting it. But Jesus comes along and he's saying, I've come to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is here, that movement has happened, and he's sweeping up and we're a part of that. And if our focus is what Jesus is about, if our focus is about the priorities of God, first and foremost, seeking above all, everything else, being dominated by that, And not being dominated by all the other circumstances. What does he say? And he will give you everything else you need. And all, another translation talks about, and everything else will follow. So here's the order. First and foremost, get in line with. Get in tune with. Get dominated by. Put the priority of what God wants. His priorities, the kingdom, his perspective, his vision, his sight of the world... And then the rest will fall. So it's not a matter of ignoring these things. It's not a matter of you don't plan. It's not a matter of that these other things are not important. It's a matter of priority. What comes first in your life? And we're going to get to that about... Because some of you might be thinking, that sounds amazing, that's what I want in my life, that's the breakthrough I'm looking for. But there's this something blocking me and keeping me from that breakthrough. And we're going to get to that in a very practical, and I'm going to warn you now, somewhat uncomfortable, step for you. Because you want to break through these things, and any type of breakthrough involves risk and work. Okay, well, you're, that, that idea, you need to break the old systems, you need to break the old thinkings to be able to have a breakthrough in the first place. And so there's going to be a challenge here this morning. And this principle, this principle of putting the kingdom of God first, seek the kingdom of God above all, be dominated, be obsessed with this idea, will spill out. This principle, this first thing, this domino that knocks down, will then fuel into everything else in your life, into your relationships, into your prayer life, into your faith, into your devotions, into the calling that God has given you, and yes, even into your finances. Into the normal, everyday, temporal things when this order is done right. And what's interesting about this is that there is a sense of sacrifice and surrender. So let me share, you a, share a story about this. When, I mean, they, these things, there's different stages in your life and you go through and you learn these different things. But the thing that stands out to me the most and one of the most prominent moments in my life was... Um, I went two years of college. Um, in that moment, this is this is the nutshell story that I got saved as a teenager. You get saved. My thought was like, oh, well the next thing I need to do is become a youth pastor. And so I was like, went with my friend, went to a Bible college. Two years into Bible college, I was like, I don't I don't know if I have a call to ministry. That was right around the time that uh, Cartman said yes, and so we got married, moved back to the community that I spent most of my teenage years in, found a job and went into the marketplace. And then through that, somebody, different people have spoken into my life, calling me to saying, no, there is a calling in your life, you need to go back to school. So I went back to school, and there was a lot of risk in this because the finances didn't 100% make sense. And so as we were going, I was working part-time job, and Carmen was working a full-time job and trying to do schooling, and there were these different moments. And it was really these pressure points in finances, because this is point in my life, this is one of those areas in my life that I had a really hard time letting go of and trusting God in, and seeing a breakthrough in my own life. Now, if you're thinking that too, man, yeah, that is is the, the trusting God in the finances and the temple things and that breakthrough... Let me give you some hope. There's going to be a step here today, but next week, Pastor Martin comes back from Denmark. He's going to be nailing in on that, and that'll be your breakthrough. But I was struggling this over and over again. I remember thinking, in the midst of being dominated by the earthly things, that that was dominating my thoughts, God always going, I got this. Trust me. And there was previous examples of this over and over again But I was so fixated on the problem that I was missing the possibilities. More than that, I was so fixated and dominated on the problem in front of me, I was missing that I have a relationship with this infinite cosmic father who wants to take care of me. I'm worrying about the things, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. And God's like, man, look at the flowers. Like, how much more important to me then nature, and nature just works. That's what this passage is saying. And over and over and over again, and it, it, some of it would be simple guys like, "No, no, I got this. I got this." And there would be like this GSD check from the government. oh, and, yeah, of course that was there. I didn't, I didn't remember that. Or you know, there would be other moments where. You know, that, that i was thinking about that and then I didn't realize that i worked a couple more hours. I was so fixated on the problem that God's like, I got this. I'm going to give you another opportunity. i to give you another area that you can pay your bills. There's going to be something that's going to come. But it was this moment that really struck to me because this is the God that we worship. We came to the, close to the end of the month and we had roughly about, we were sure about um, $1,100 in shame. And in college and thinking like there's car payments and different things like that. And we're really stepping out in faith and risk in this. I don't know where I'm going to come up with $1,100. I'm freaking out. Freaking out. And God's saying to me, trust me. I was like, okay. I got, you know, when it was like 100 bucks, and there was a GST. But this is $1,100. I can't even start fathoming with where we're at with our budget. And as poor college students, how we're going to make this happen. I was like, trust me, trust I said, okay, you know what? I need to clear my head. I'm going to go for a walk. So I go for a walk, and I'm walking past the, the post office in the, the Bible college room. And I get into the post office. I grab my key. I open up, and I have this check written from back home. And I go, what's this? So I open it up. And in that moment, as I pull it out, there is a check for the exact amount that we need. Dollar and cents. But what I found out later was, is one of the guys in the elders of our church who actually, he's one of those guys that, unlike me, only speaks when it needs to be said. It's one of those quiet guys and he spoke over to me, I've been praying for you for five years and God's got a call on your life and you need to go back to college. And because he called me to that, he took it as a part of his response to God, sorry, probably led him into this with the breakthrough prayer life that he has, led him to go around and we you know, I feel like... I'm getting this sense that we need to collect money for Drake and Carmen. So I'm freaking out in this moment. Mail, especially back then, from Alberta to Saskatchewan, you're looking at at least a couple of weeks. And then there's all of the collection stuff that needs to happen, going around and getting all the money, putting it in his bank, writing a check, or through the church and all these things. So there is... Three weeks to a month that God's like, I'm already setting this up. I've got you covered. And you don't even know this is a problem yet. But in the moment, it's this thing that is dominating my thoughts. And I remember looking at this check and I started weeping. I remember the post office person watching and probably thinking I'm crazy at this point. Standing and looking at this envelope and just tears running down my face. But it was in that moment that I got my breakthrough. Because I was just like why don't you get this? Now, I'm not saying that every single one of you is going to go home and get a check in your mail. Okay? <laughs> Hear me here. Okay? This isn't a televangelist sale right now on this, but the point is that if God is calling you to something, God is calling you to something, towards that breakthrough, there's going to be an action for you to be involved, but it starts first and foremost with this idea of putting our priorities right So here's a question for you guys. Is it possible that you are not finding this breakthrough in your life because you're holding on to control with a death grip? One of the hardest steps for so many of us is to let go. In that moment, I needed the control to figure out where every cent and penny was so that I can know where it's all going to go and make sure everything is going to be okay. But stepping out in faith and taking those actions involves taking a step of faith. That plane that goes off the edge, it needs to take the risk. We don't know if we're going to plummet to the ground. We don't know if this thing is going to take off. But it takes the risk because it has this faith and belief that it's going to do what it was designed to do. So look at what it says in Luke 12. So maybe you're holding on to this this death grip, this idea. And I want to contrast these two ideas. Maybe you're not finding this breakthrough because in your own life, one, you're being dominated by those ideas. But because of that domination, you're actually holding on to. You're worried. It's a mentality of scarcity. I'm so worried with the little that I have that I'm not willing to take the risk to venture off to know that there could be an abundance on the other side. There's this great book called Your God is Too Safe. Maybe you've read it, I don't know, but in the introductory chapter it talks about the Badlands. Is, I think, I'm going to probably brutalize this, but there's this section between Uganda, Uganda and Kenya where they call the Badlands. There's no government, there's no police, there's nothing. And you would only need to walk a few kilometers one direction or the other to get into the border, to be able to get into a place Now, maybe those countries aren't that safe, but they were better than where they were. But the thing is that that these people would live here and not choose to go one direction or the other because even though they knew the situation that they were in in their lives was dire, the idea of the unknown was scarier. Isn't that true? Isn't that true in our own lives? that we take, we know that we want this breakthrough, but it's safer and easier just to hold back. Because if I let go, I might lose the little that I have instead of moving into the abundance. There's this great parable that Jesus talks about called the parable of the talents, that, Jesus, that this, this, this ruler gives three servants different amounts of talents, one, two, and five, I believe. The second one doubles his investment, takes the rest of the third, doubles investment, and takes the risk, and the first holds it, buries it. At the end of the parable, Jesus says, you know, bless you too that you did these things and you took this risk and you doubled your investment, but you, you were a disobedient servant. You were holding on and you were scared and you weren't doing what I asked you to do. Remember that? What God was saying, the leader said, go and invest this, and he was disobedient and didn't do it. So when God's asking us to do something and take that risk, And he punishes him, takes that talent, and gives it to the person who doubled the five to ten. I was listening to somebody having a conversation, and they made this interesting point. You know, he was asking God, am I a two-talent person or am I a five-talent person? And God went back to him, it doesn't matter, because both of them took the same risk. Maybe you're at a point in your life that you're a one-talent person, a two-talent person, or a five-talent person. Talents are just coins, just so that we understand it. It's just money, Okay? And God's asking you to take a risk. You need to invest into that. You need to let it go. You're not going to find abundance or find that breakthrough if you're always holding back and looking at, oh, the little that I have, the risk. But if I take that risk, I might lose all that I have. The risk was the same for the two and the five, but God grew them and doubled them. You know, those who can trust with little can be trusted with much. In two weeks, Pastor Jackson is going to be talking about breakthrough prayer. I remember sitting in a friend. I was visiting a friend who does church planning in Montreal. And he was doing this house group. And one of them was saying, I'm really struggling because, you know, I had this situation with this friend. And I felt like they were dealing with this illness. And I felt like God was saying, go pray for them for healing. And I was like, I just couldn't stop thinking that, well, what if, what if I pray and nothing happens? Now, I'm going to, I, in this moment, I was thinking God was saying, challenge him with this. And I wouldn't have said this because I don't have to level the consequences of this decision, but I felt like God was telling me this and I said, okay, that's true. There is a risk in that. And you're saying, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? But well, what if they do? What if they do? So we're, as a human nature, we always look at the negative. We always look at the scarcity. We always look at the things we might lose. But if we have that relationship, if we go back, go back to the previous slide for a second. If we go back to this you know, back one more for it. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows what you need. If you have that relationship, the priorities are straight, you start to see more and more of those small little wins, you grow in your faith, God doubles you, you double that investment, you take those risks, He brings you to the next level in your life, and in your finances, and your relationships, and your job, all of these things... And remember again, if God leads you into that, that's the key thing, having that relationship, and he's directing your path. And when he calls you to take that risk, the question is: am I going to I go back to the next slide with scarcity? Am I going to choose scarcity and hold back in fear, or am I going to take that step for the possibility of abundance? So look at what this look at what Jesus says. This is another parable that he uses. And you're going to see this over and over again. It's interesting that Jesus ties in temporal earthly things or finances with our life. And and there's a reason for this because there's an actual mathematical, like when you think about the sacrifice and the risk towards abundance and the things that you hold back, money actually has a value to it. You can measure that. So there's other things in your life that are very subjective that you you can't calculate as much when there's that risk of, of investing and taking a risk. You can see that. You can calculate what you can do with that. And so there is actual temporal risk. But when we do that, we're dominated again by those thoughts. But here's what Jesus says. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat. And all other goods. And I'll start, and I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough store away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. Ah, nobody wants to hear that from God. You fool. You, have, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you've worked for? Yes. A person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Pride or a tease. Read that again. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Now these are not, ex- like Martin just talked about this a few weeks ago, like money is not the root of all evil. Like that's not how that works. I'm not trying to create a dichotomy of that I mean, it's either a relationship with God or I can work for a comfortable life. No, no, that's not how that works. Where's your priorities? This person's priorities was mixed up. He saw his comfort, and he had a lot, but he still had a life of scarcity, because he was putting his faith, and his comfort, and his his uh, his abundance in the things that he had, but the reality was that at any moment, he could lose it. Now, this is a parable, but I actually know of a real-life story of this, and the talking about the community that I spent most of my teenage years, and we had this house that was called—we called it the, the Cold Lake Mansion. I, you know, spent most of my teenage years in Cold Lake. I called it the Cold Lake Mansion because it was the biggest house. It was on the lake. It was huge, right? And we, we'd ride on our bikes, and we were like, "Man, look at that house," and all that different stuff. And as an adult, I heard about the story of the man who owned that house. He actually had a house, and then. He had, like, like, literally, like, servants. Like, there was, you know, people that did a cleaning, and really they rooms. really they put a little house right beside it. Like, that was the type of, of person this person walked in. But he worked his whole entire life for his retirement. Everything he did, he was always on the road, he was always working, he was always doing these things, and his wife was the one living a home alone in this giant house. And I think it was, I think this is how the story goes, it was a week before he was retired, he had a heart attack and died. He all money, he was going to buy all the toys, the boat for the lake, all this stuff. And he was putting off and living his life for his retirement. And he never got to live it. The sad thing about this is that his wife was left as a widow, living in this jumongous house with all these toys that she didn't care about. She wanted her husband. And by this point, um, the servant's house was empty, and they had their kids, or one of their kids living in there, and she said, Move into the house. I want to move in there. I still want to see my grandkids, but I don't want this house. I don't care about the house. All these things, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. This idea of scarcity and abundance isn't a matter of what is it you actually have. It's a mentality of what you're holding on to or letting go of. Your priorities, are they straight? You're looking for a breakthrough is it are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Or are you putting God first? Is that the domino you're starting with? Or are you hoping that I'm gonna live my life and that God is gonna give me my breakthrough? And once He gives me my breakthrough, then I'll take a step. Maybe that's where you're at. But that's not what Jesus says. It says you want that breakthrough, you need to invest if, if you want the investment to grow, right? If you think about money again. You want want investments to grow. We talk about this idea of diversifying. But in the kingdom of God, that's not how it works. You put all of your money into one thing, into Jesus, into the kingdom of God. All or nothing. All in. And that investment will grow. So how do we do this? How do we actually put him first, the kingdom of God, the principles, the right priority, not being dominated by the other things? Well, the word is pursuit. Pursuit. Pursuit is the key to finding breakthrough. Reckless, relentless, risk-taking pursuit. I'm going to talk about what I'm about to say in a, in, in a few weeks from now, in our last message or breakthrough. But for many of us, we think about this idea of what God is calling us to, into a deeper life with Him, to a breakthrough in our life in the different areas. We usually have three postures. People who are opposed to it. They're dominated by the other things. I'm opposed to taking this risk because I have a mentality of scarcity. People who are open to it. Oh man, I want that in my life. But, like I said, it's a partnership. So they say they desire it, they want it, but they don't move and they want it to come to them. And the person who finds it is the person like the second and third servant who take the risk and invest what they have. They pursue. They take the risk. They jump both feet into the water. So, pursuit. And as I said earlier, it's interesting to me how Jesus ties spiritual breakthroughs, spiritual renewal, spiritual life, faith, all these things. And and if you start reading the New Testament, you'll start seeing these things. He ties a lot of these examples that he gives with money. And here's the kicker. This This is what Jesus says, I think, that ties all of these things in. If you go to this next verse. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart also will be. So if you're a person who is open, you know what? I'm waiting for that breakthrough. I'm open, God. Show yourself, and then maybe I'll start stepping in. The reality is is that no. Where your treasure is, there your desire will also be. Here's a modern day putting put your money where your mouth is. You can speak out pray for, wonder, wish, desire, cry out, say you're going to do, say you're going to believe. You can do all those things. But action trumps out speaking every single time. Let me say that again just in case you missed it. Action trumps speaking 10 times out of 10, every single time. Where your treasure is, there your desire heart will be. No, he doesn't say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. No, no, no. You want your heart to get there? You want that breakthrough in your life? You want to be in that relationship with God? You need to step into that. And again, it's interesting to me that Jesus uses money in this. And why that's important is because, like I said, there is an actual value. When I was dominated by the thoughts of my bills and stuff, there was a literal amount, 1,100, whatever the cents were. I could look at that and go, that has weight. Because I'm looking at that. And so if you want to take this risk, thinking about the talents, money again, because if I have two, and I invest it all, I could lose those two. Or I could double them. There's a big risk involved in that. Action trumps speaking. Put your money where your mouth is. Where your treasure is, your steps, your finances, the things you invest in, then your heart will follow. Then the breakthrough in your life will happen because you're taking that step into that. That the open door is right there, and you go, Man, I just wish I could be there. I'm seeing what God is doing right over there. <laughs> you gotta move over. You gotta take steps, you gotta take the risks. And like any journey in life that involves risk, there is sacrifice. There is a dragon to be slain, but on the other side of that, there's a treasure to be had. Talk about this idea of planes flying off the edge. To learn to fly, you need to be willing to walk off a cliff. There are actually some birds in the world. They learn to fly because their mother pushes them out of the nest. Who are parents in here? There are some times you just think like just right he's got 18, 19 year olds who still haven't moved out of the house right but to learn to fly you've got to be willing to walk off the edge thinking like this as you're a bird is going home again as I've never flown in my life maybe that's how you feel to take that risk to take the jump am I going to fly or am I going to plumb into the ground and hit it? but the question is What's your relationship with God look like? If He's calling you to jump off that edge, to take action, then you can be assured that if He's calling you to that, that He will give you all of these things that follow the risk of the kingdom of God. Now here's my challenge for you guys. I talked about that Jesus says, you know, our our spiritual walker, you know, Jesus says this idea of breakthrough for faith in our life are tied intimately with money. And here's the uncomfortable challenge. I'm going to challenge you guys this morning. I want you to pray about it. I don't want it to be coming from me out of guilt, okay? But there is something tangible about that. You know what? I have to sit here right now going, I want that breakthrough in my life then give. He's like, well, what did that have to do with everything? Has everything to do with it. Because you're actually putting money down into saying, No, I believe this, I want this in my life, and I believe it so much that I'm actually going to give something up. Not something subjective, something real. Maybe you're somebody here this morning who already gives and supports our mission, and we've talked a lot about over the months and the years about generosity impacts lives. And that's true as you give into our mission and our church. This Impacts lives. But I don't think we've done a very good job at also expressing in the spiritual discipline of giving actually changes your life. That giving is the life hack to unlock the movement towards breakthrough in your life. Because there's a real tangible sacrifice that's involved. So I want to give you guys a stand up. Now, for anybody who is regular here, you'll notice that we didn't do our offering. Because we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. The ushers are not going to come up. But they're going to be sitting out in the back. And if you've already got your offering ready, then we're going to pray over that. We're going to pray through a breakthrough in your life. And as you walk out the doors, and as the worship ends, and everyone walks out the doors, the ushers are going to be holding the buckets, and you can drop them in there. But maybe you're thinking that God is challenging you now and you want that breakthrough And you're thinking... I'm going to take my next step. I've gotten comfortable in my giving to the point where I'm not relying on God anymore because there's no risk involved. Or maybe you're somebody who has never given or given regularly. I was talking to somebody about this and it hit me. Do you know that like giving, when you think about all the different spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible reading, sharing our faith, loving on people, growing, that giving is like the easiest discipline down our day and age because you only need to do it once you have the system of reoccurring giving, you set it up and you know that that discipline is set up and you're never going to miss being faithful in that in your life. It's still going to be a challenge, it's still going to be a risk, God going to call you to the next step. But this is an important thing, believe me in this, and if you're still thinking to yourself, BS, I don't get it. We'll come back next week because Pastor Murray is going to unpack how breakthrough giving will be Impacting not every area of your life. But for today, I want you to do this. I want everybody just to close your eyes. We're going to pray over this. If you have got an offering ready to go, I want you to grab that. And for everybody else, and if you're thinking to yourself, I want to take this step that I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, that I'm going to take this risk that God says, test me on this. There are connect cards. In the front of you, in those seats. And in the back of those Connect cards, if you look there, there's different ways that you can give. It'll be too hard for us to set this up this morning, but I want you to grab one of those cards right now. And I want you to take it home with you. Because I want you to go home and prayerfully ask God, Where am I going to take this risk? What am I going to start giving so that I can rely on you? So take that card, take your envelope, with your eyes closed, just put it up in the air. And I want to pray over you guys as you take this step. You take this step in your faith. Because it's through this action that you're going to be able to see breakthrough in your life. And ask God, what's the step you want me to take? Because if He's saying this, He will be sure and true to deliver on His promise. Father God, we just thank you for everyone who is here now. We pray for a breakthrough in their life. And for those who are taking this step of faith, who are saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to break through. I want to take this risk. I'm going to jump off the edge and believe that when I pull out my wings, that I'm going to fly and soar like an eagle. eagle." That as they take this step, and as they're raising up, they're giving, or they're raising up this card right now. That you deliver the promise that you're giving to them as they take this risk. And you show them who you are. Bless this sacrifice, the impact of their lives, their generosity. Show them in this step that this is going to be the breakthrough that they're going to see as they faithfully, week after week, are walking with you. That as the weeks go by and the month goes by, that they're faithful in this, that you're going to show up in miraculous ways. That we are faithful in stepping in that. So we pray this upon you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said,